Welcome back to the Sensibility Podcast. I am so excited because we've got an amazing guest today, Mike, Mike Lan, and she has been doing very similar work to me. I love that she is really focused on the psychology of money and really helps her clients and pe- well, helps people. And I just sort of put that out there um, because we are passionate about what we do. So I'm excited to be talking about this. She, we've got lots of questions here and I've, I've lost my sheet. So just bear with me because it just disappeared. Um, here we go. So Michael Ann's an author, keynote speaker, a money coach like myself, and she helps women transform their relationship with money to create a life they love. Um, this is why we love what we do, right? We see people transform. So welcome. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you for having me. Hello from Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I love having guests from all over the world. It's fantastic. So you're in June, we were just talking offline that even though you're heading into summer, it's cold. So we're still kind of in terms of this cold weather. Yes, yes. In Seattle, we are supposed to be heading into summer in June and we call it January because it's still too cold, even though the Americans are supposedly heading into summer over here. Yeah. Well, we have had, I feel everyone's sort of in shock, maybe because last year we, I felt it was cold last year because I was walking around with a toddler, Um, but we were in lockdown. So I was doing my best to go to parks and whatnot, but most people because of lockdown didn't really experience the cold weather. So everyone's complaining here. I only, we're seeing a blue sky. It's beautiful looking out right now. And we've had Four months of rain in this. So we didn't really experience summer as well. I think everyone's having a bit oh of a cringe gosh. about that. But I'm, yeah, I'm for the so happy to be out of lockdown. I'm so happy. <laughs> I know. It's been a long two years, right? It has been very, very. Now, you've been doing this for over 20 years. So both of us have been in this industry where I guess we could call it we're veterans now. I've been doing the finance thing for 18 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've been a thought leader in the field of financial psychology. So with your background in emotional intelligence, can you share about how you came across this field of financial psychology and how you've developed your your business, your offer, and how you help people? It, it, yeah, it's, well, we all think we have an interesting story, but, you know, when I came into the money coaching field 25 years ago, Amy, the term money coaching didn't even hardly exist. So I did an undergraduate degree in economics And then I did a master's degree in, get this, transpersonal psychology and consciousness studies. A lot, a lot of deep personal growth, um, human potential theory, you know, consciousness studies, but but a lot of uh, psychology. And after my master's, I I thought, oh my gosh, I love economics. I love money, but I also love psychology. And I I debated between becoming a financial planner and becoming a psychotherapist. I mean, these like two totally different fields. And eventually I met a money coach named Karen McCall. This was back in about 96 in um, California, who was doing money coaching. At the time it was called financial counseling. And I thought, oh my gosh, here's someone who has combined these fields of what you and I would call financial literacy with psychology, with emotions, with uh, neuroscience, you know what I mean? All of that. So I trained after grad school 
as at the time I was called a financial recovery counselor. And then over the years, I added an AFC. So I'm an accredited financial counselor. And it's been a wild ride. I mean, 25 years I've been in private practice as a money coach and a financial therapist working with individuals on their relationship to money. And I, I love it, Amy. And as I know you do too, cause I, I feel, I mean, I know we'll talk about a lot of this, but it just felt like so much in um, the psychology of money wasn't quite hands-on enough to get people what they really needed but there's so much really important stuff, if you will, on the practical side of money, but money's so emotional. You know? So money coaching really says, you know, we've got to look at both sides of this, both the practical side and the emotional side. If you really want to shift your relationship to money, you've got to be willing uh, to look at, at both and really dive in. So that's what I've been doing for 25 years. It's fantastic. I mean, you, you said a key word that, um, I love is that consciousness and a lot of people are fueled by sort of more unconscious subconscious reactions so it's more knee-jerk reactions when it comes to their finances they're not aware of their back you know their their stories what they're telling themselves and there's a lot of fear and emotion around money so i love that you have actually brought both of those two pieces together it's very similar to what i've been working on as well with um, my business um, but it sounds like you've got this really nice synergy going on with how you you operate in your practice. Can you tell me about your process to get people in that shift to abundance, even though they've got a bit of a money plan that they've got to follow? Yeah, how to move people into abundance. You know, I would say that the number one reason why people call me or seek me out is that they are tired of feeling out of control with money. That's like probably the most, that's the biggest thing I hear. Some people will say they're tired of being stressed or they're tired of being anxious. Um, so in, in, it's interesting, Amy, as I thought about it, you know, people, I do a lot of work in helping women earn what they're really worth, as well as looking at, you know, spending issues and debt and, you know, I mean, the whole smorgasbord, if you will. But people don't generally call me and say, hey, Michael Ann, can you help me earn more? I actually have a lot of professional women that call and say, can you help me be less stressed around money? So, you know, they, they love the abundance conversation and, you know, they want to feel abundant, but the, one of the biggest things that blocks abundance is stress, you know, financial stress and financial anxiety um, really blocks abundance, whether you actually are abundant, but you just don't feel it. Right. That's yep. the piece. Or you are actually blocking money from coming into you because when you are stressed and anxious, it's not a great uh, zone of receptivity. You know, it's hard to receive when you're so shut down from stress. But I, I find that a lot of people, when they describe it, it's almost like free-floating anxiety. They're so used to being a little stressed chronically about personal finance in particular they're almost used to it. It's like you're used to the air you breathe, not being fully clear, not being fully clean. Um, and, you know, as they start naming it, they go, well, what would it be like if, if I didn't feel stressed about money all the time? <laughs> and then that really starts paving the path for uh, feeling more abundant in so many different ways. 
It's quite magical when you see people shift like that, where they start, they come in with that level of stress and then over time, and it does take time, there's a lot of work you've got to do on yourself. You've got to look within, right? You've got to actually be able to start having that awareness to mm-hmm. actually make these changes. And you said something just a moment ago about people sort of, it's part of who they are when they've got that level of anxiety, like breathing. It is an unconscious thing. All of us, you know, it is something that they carry, we carry. I know even myself when I haven't had that awareness, um, even other parts of life where you can be very stressed. Where I'm going is that we're almost programmed to be that way. And it's sort of like if we're not, perhaps we're not surviving. So our brain plays those tricks with us to ensure that we keep going back into these patterns. Right. Right. Well, and you're so right on. And, and as you, as you talk about it, it's all about, you know, your, your money scripts, your money mindset. And so much of it for so many of us has to do with the classrooms we were raised in, meaning our family, mm-hmm. right? Our family of origin and not everybody wants to go back there, but the reality is so many of us feel the way we feel about money because of how we were raised, you know, what we saw or didn't see or heard. You know, probably the most classic example is when I talk to people who grew up hearing their parents fight about money. Yeah, They are used to it. Nobody wants to go back and reflect on that. But there are so many beliefs that we make up as little kids saying, oh, therefore what that means is money makes mom cry. You know, money causes stress. Money causes conflict. Don't go near money. Don't talk about money. Don't talk about it in a relationship, especially, right? But these are things that happened to so many of us so long ago. We don't think about it. We grow up and become very capable adults and do the best we can and and are almost confused at ourselves. Like, why do we feel stress when money comes up? And yet, if we really reflect on it, a lot of it does go pretty far back. Yeah, it does. Actually, you just brought up, you know, so much... We could talk on this for hours. I had a client actually when we went through her money story, it was very similar to that description you just stated, you know, parents fighting and whatnot. And when, you know, as coaches, we're listening to to the patterns and the language and the body language and we're sort of taking all these cues as we're sort of working out where they're at. And she would use the word gross when it came to money. I'd never forget that. That was quite insightful because of, Again, it was childhood language and it came up and it was, she used it in her money story about three or four times. I was like, wow, did you hear yourself? And there there was that conflict straight away when she couldn't actually clear a debt or call in more money because she was conflicted with this belief that money was gross. So she couldn't actually shift to that place of, Money's a fantastic tool that can do so many great things, that can offer so many opportunities and help so many people. So we, it was one of those moments where she was, oh, my God, that's, it, that's it, the conflict. It's, it's so true. And I know so many people that have so many negative feelings about the wealthy, and yet, again, we're not conscious of it. You know, I mean, I my mom worked for the church when I was growing up, and it, she never said outright negative things about the wealthy. It was always, it was always very subtle. It was always, well, you know, what it's like to be one of them. Well, if we, you know, it's, it's always a version of, well, if we lived over there, then we'd be like them. But so it was never fully stated, right? 
But there is this sense for some of us of, as I said to my clients, you won't allow yourself to become that which you despise, right? You won't allow yourself to grow into wealth if you truly believe that wealthy people are, for example, greedy. Mm. But if that's the message that you hear when you're a little kid, it's really important to get conscious, really important. Because that's what I heard was, oh, wealthy people, they're, I heard greedy. I heard, I heard many different things, right? I didn't think about it. You know, you're a kid. It's just the way the world is. Yeah. And and everyone was very much, was very similar to us. So when we grew up, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. But actually I would like to have money like those people. Right. And that, uh (laughs) uh-oh, I have to be one of those people. So, you know, you really need to examine this. Mm. And we're living in a society where marketing and advertising really encourages us to want more, have more, be more, earn more. Um, And when we've got these desires, you go, you know, I actually love this career path I'm on, for example, or I would like to be traveling more, but you can't call in that because you've got that conflict. That is what really sets people back. Or I'm really crap with money, excuse my language, but I'm terrible with money. Um, And they've got this story. So when they get money, when they get the pay wires or when they're, you know, they, whatever comes in their way, when it comes to finances, they're in their own way and they're not going to be able to either hold on to it, manage it well, enjoy it. There's a whole array of problems that we're, they're, they're facing in that conflict. Well, I, you know, I always think you can never have enough of what you don't really need. And so, you know, so much of getting clear and feeling good about money is, is really diving into that needs and wants conversation. What do you need and what do you want and what's the difference? And, and, and our role is how do we discern what is the difference? Because without really entering into that conversation, and I would say needs, wants, and desires, mm. and really going there and thinking about that. Otherwise, everything is a need and we just throw money. It's, it's like you bring up, you know, social media, for example, we see all the wonderful things that other people seem to be enjoying, even though we know people tend to only put the positive, wonderful stuff on Instagram, right? Yeah. But am I the only one that can't afford to take my kids away for spring break? Am I the only one that can't buy the brand new car? You know, so we spend money to prove that we are okay or prove that we have enough. but you know, you bring up, are we measuring it by other people's standards? Yeah. And when we're not, I've spoken about this on other episodes, when we're not in alignment with what's important to us, our values, right? we're off kilter. And that's where these feelings and emotions and anxiety and frustration and things come up because you're not in true alignment with who you, you know, who you are, what's important to you. So that's an incredible piece to pulling all of this stuff together when helping people with their money issues. I, I so agree with you. It really does. So much of it, I think, goes back to what do you truly need and what do you truly want? And you know, what, one of the things I often do with clients is I have them do a needs, wants assessment and really think about listing, like literally listing, brainstorming all the things you need and all the things that you want. And whether it's, you know, services or experiences or material items, but really sorting through that and then really looking at what's a need and what's a want. 
because a lot of times I can find a way to meet a need more creatively if I truly name it, you know, like, like for example, I mean, I, all my examples always tend to come back to tango because I'm, I'm this crazy tango dancer, but you know, I, I want to go to, let's say the Albuquerque tango festival, but what I need is to dance. What I need is to connect with my friends. What I need is to connect with my lover who's my dance partner. And so I can meet that need by dancing locally, by going to a Seattle-based festival where I don't have to pay the cost of getting on an airplane and you know so on and so forth. And so it, it comes up a lot with when we're spending money and we're trying to prioritize so many goals around money, you know, retirement, debt, and oh, so many things. If I can identify what I truly, truly need, then I can look at, ah, what I truly need is connection. What I truly, it's not about going to wherever the airplane ride is. It's about this other thing that I can meet more creatively. And so just stopping and having that conversation is so, um, well, it actually brings you back to feeling abundant, right? I feel abundant because I'm meeting my needs. I'm naming them and I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling what I truly need because I stopped and said, what is this really about? That is such, I'm going to adopt that, um, the needs and wants, because we talk about values first. I mean, it's similar, but that just takes it to another level because then you're looking, you know, on a piece of paper and seeing that your needs are being met, which is a nice shift to then being able to work on that sort of personalized spending plan and actually being aware. So I'm assuming that sort of the night is that the process then you're doing, you go through the needs and wants, and then you look at your spending plan. Yeah. So it, when, when I work with clients, for example, I always start on how to do a monthly spending plan. And I, I'm a huge proponent of the word spending plan, as opposed to the word budget. I really don't like the word budget and neither do I, you know, yeah, yeah, I, and I knew you and I would be very similar on this. You know, it doesn't hit everybody wrong, but to me, a budget is very, it just sounds like a diet. Mm. It's, it's very it diety. It sort of puts you into a box mm-hmm. and makes you feel like you're restricted. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, who do I owe and what's left over for me? And now I'm living life on leftovers. I mean, it just, bleh, you know, yes. it's super not fun. Um, versus a spending plan, you are looking at what do you want? It's your plan. And so when when you get to that kind of that brass tax strategy, if you will, you know, we're going to put together a monthly spending plan. If you want to be fancy, you could call it your monthly cash flow plan. Ooh, that's, you know, sounds very you know, highbrow. It's all the same, right? But I always put me my needs at the top of the plan. So for example, spiritual growth or personal growth, you know, I'm going to list that at the top of my spending plan. And then I'm, of course, I'm going to have housing and food and travel and, you know, so on and so forth. Ultimately, it has to work. We add up a spending plan and we do compare it to the income that you have for that month. And then you get creative, right? And, but because it's your plan, And we're looking at, all right, these things are really important to you. You know, the way I think about it, when I put together a monthly spending plan with someone and they're overwhelmed because there's so many things that people are afraid they're not going to be able to have, right? I always say, what do you want to protect? What do you want to protect? 
And, and it's a way of kind of laser, like going into that needs and wants conversation of what it, you could say it's a way to prioritize, but you know, for me, um, I'm going to protect tango over my, um, going out and doing a big new clothing shop. Right. Mm-hmm. Ideally I have both ideally. I mean, I may start a plan and go, yep, I'm going to spend, you know, $500 on clothes and $500 on tango. And here's my mortgage. I'm going to, I'm going to put everything in, but if a plan doesn't work, then I always go to, what do I want to protect? What's my most important need? And everyone's answer is different, right? That's what's so fun. It's so personal. It's so personal. And I will protect what I want to protect. You know, again, for me, it's usually going to be <laughs> dance related. Um, and then I, I'll get creative on the rest. But it makes me feel so happy to feel like what I love is is taken care of, right? Yeah. Instead of just assuming, oh, it, it, it'll never work. It'll never work. It's, I call that Eeyore budgeting. It'll never work. Yeah, look, there's so much in this because we do have this, society does, the, the idea of money, management, and people even coming to me are always worried that I'm going to tell them that they can't have something and they right. go into that scarcity mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually can find joy when we actually have our needs met. And you, one of those things you bring to you know picture as well is actually making sure that you have that joy and you're doing something you're passionate about that lights you up um, as well is part of this whole process with, with the relationship with money. I, I so, so, so agree. I mean, I think we've got to honor the past, the present, and the future. You know, for many people, honoring the past is around debt reduction. Honoring the future might be around, you know, savings and, and retirement. But we have to honor the present too, which is where we are enjoying life. You cannot live your financial life only waiting for some magic future. It's like we've got to enjoy life. And if you if you don't, chances are it's going to be very short-lived. People will throw the baby out with the bathwater very quick if they're so focused on financial goals that are based only in the past or only in the future. It's not livable because we live in the present. And so we have to balance our needs and wants in the present and our happiness and our joy. If it means that you pay off debt a little bit slower, if it means that you want to rethink your retirement plan so that you can enjoy your life more, then bring it on, right? I mean, that's, I think that the, the piece that's often missing around finance for people is creativity. It's like, yeah. we want to creatively put your life together. And so, you know, I, I get so excited about this because when I'm working at, if you pop it up another level, I need to, uh, an annual income spending plan. It is about creating the lifestyle that you want. It's about creating the life that you want. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is why when I do the financial planning piece, I always say to clients, this is goals-based. It's goals-based advice. This is about you. It's creating your own adventure kind of thing. You know, remember those books we had? Pick a path. Pick a page. Pick your path. When clients are involved in that process, they're Mm -hmm. more engaged. When you're more engaged around your finances and you're doing the things you love, you're meeting your needs, it's in alignment with your true self. It's going to be much easier to achieve some of those other goals, some of the challenging goals, maybe clearing the debt or, you know, putting more towards the retirement savings stuff that you, you 
don't actually get to enjoy right this moment but the moment the now moment I love that is actually where you find the joy because it'll make that journey fast you know even though it can slow things down and it might feel like oh I've got the this debt's going to take five years to clear because I'm focusing on what's important right now to enjoy my money now as opposed to reducing the debt in three years that five years will go so much faster in terms of uh, how you know your mindset because you're enjoying the journey. I I so agree. You know, like on the the past, present, future. One of the classic questions that I get asked, and I, and I know you get asked, is people come into money, something happens. You know, money beams you in the head out of the sky. It could be a tax refund, or you know, Aunt Edna died and left you ten thousand dollars, or whatever it is. And so people say, oh, what should I do with it? Should I take this ten thousand and use it to pay off my debt? or invest. And I always look at, let's honor the past, the present and the future. Let's put, and you could, you could say a third, a third and a third, right? Let's put a third on debt reduction. Let's put a third on the future in terms of, you know, generally speaking, retirement or savings, but let's take a third and go, where are you feeling deprived? Where are you not fully enjoying life? Where are your needs and your wants right now? Right. So because we have to honor the present while being aware of the past and the future. And you know, eventually when people move into that wonderful zone of not having any debt, that's lovely. Then we're balancing between the present and the future. Mm. But there's still the present. There's still the present. That I obviously I'm taking some of these things on board and implementing them as well into my practice because I, I I obviously do coach but I coach a little differently so I love having these conversations where certain people that will really work with I'm just thinking particularly one client huge 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 spender massive Amex credit cards makes a lot of money wants to grow their wealth but always is wanting this instant gratification. So by doing a new strategy and let's look at honoring the past, the future and the present, we could probably raise, I've been thinking, how am I going to get this guy to rein things in a little bit more? Because he keeps talking about investing and buying property and doing all these things, but he's holding himself back with these credit cards and spending for the now. So it's, it's this strategy, I think it will be a bit of a mind shift for him in that respect. So thank you. I'm going to take that yeah. on board. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah. And, you, and it is interesting with the, um, the credit card debt piece is so hard for so many, many people. And, you know, I think, and this is maybe, well, I'll just say, even though this is super practical, right. Is I think that one of the biggest things is that it goes to the savings piece. People don't save for the big expenses that come up, what, what we call in, in my um, money coaching circles, periodic expenses. And so the moment that people do receive money from the universe in some way, shape or form, the problem is when you do go back to that scenario and you say, okay, 10,000 came in, throw it on the credit card debt, boom, gone. And you don't put any money in savings. The problem is you're still gonna buy an airplane ticket in the future, your car's still gonna break down, you're still going to want to replace something in your home. And so then you go right back into debt. And so there is this, this sacred piece around savings that says, if we save for these upcoming big expenses, 
it will keep you from going back into credit card debt in the future. Because what, what I see with so many professionals, Amy, is people go in and out of significant credit card debt for decades, mm. for decades. They, they go up in debt and then they pay it off and then they go up in credit card debt and then they pay it off. And so there's this debt cycle that so many professionals are caught in. But every time they manage to pay off a big chunk of debt is all money that they weren't able to either enjoy in the present or save for the future. Absolutely. So it's just interesting how if we can shift the way we're looking at money and saving money, um, it will actually help us be more present and future focused. But because we're not saving money for larger expenses and just throwing them on the credit card, it really keeps us locked in this past cycle. We're always paying off our past. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's the uh, the cycle that I see a lot of people fall into. Also, you mentioned something that piqued my interest there is what professionals, when they actually grow into their new roles and their income increases or they're, they're hitting all of those targets in life that we have, they're, sort of, they're growing up, they're climbing their mountain, the more money they're earning, they find they spend or put their, you know, the credit card company or the bank throws them lifestyle creep is what we call it. Mm, absolutely. And until you have that mindset, and this is where what we do is so valuable to so many people, is you get caught in that trap and you go through. And even though you're earning great money, you're sort of stuck in the cycle of feast and famine constantly. It's, it's a debt, like it's a bit of a tango. Yeah, no, oh my gosh, it's so true. Um, Kieran McCall, who wrote a book, the book Financial Recovery, talks a lot about the money life drain that professionals get caught in. And it's it's like, as we make more money, maybe we're more stressed. And the only way to de-stress is to take really nice vacations. But then we come back from vacation and it usually went on a credit card. Now I have to work more to be able to finance the lifestyle and maybe the growing debt. And now I'm really stressed, like, oh my gosh, I, I got to take a break. I need to take a vacation. I'm so stressed out. So then we go on vacation. And, you know, the biggest thing I see on professionals' credit cards are vacations and travel, right? And so it's just part of this, this drain um, that we're in and the increasing pressure that we have for this increasing number of expenses with just like our overall lifestyle going up. So I, I always wish that people would be, um, I mean, everybody's doing the best that they can and where we choose to live and the people that we surround ourselves with really is a big impact on the lifestyle that people end up growing into. So super expensive neighborhoods, you spend, you send your children to private schools. Now, suddenly it hasn't occurred to anyone that they can't go to not a private university. Right. So, I mean, it's very interesting how it kind of builds on itself with this huge amount of pressure. And ultimately, people feel like they can't retire. They just have to keep working to support their lifestyle. Yeah. Oh, God, you said so many things there that um, resonate. I mean, where we live, we're in the eastern suburbs of Sydney, probably the most highest cost of real estate in the country. Mm -hmm. And it's mind blowing how people will break their backs almost to be in this area i mean even us we i grew up here so i i kind of wasn't 
more a status sort of symbol for me. It was because this has been my home. I grew up ar- around here, but I've seen a lot of people push and push and push. And it's like, that's part of the journey, the Everest. But when you actually think like pull back the layers, go back to what's important. Let's, you know, look at those needs, what wants, where you're finding for me- for fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Then all of this stuff that we nearly kill ourselves with stress and everything can just disappear because if we actually go back to what was really important, like you said, looking at your um, you know, personalized spending plan and what's really important going, the needs and the wants, mm-hmm. there's do you see, I'm sure you would, the shift in people when they go, wow, living in that neighborhood isn't that important. Or if I actually spend more time on myself every week doing something I love, then I wouldn't need to feel like I need to get on a plane every you know couple of months and create more stress for myself with credit card debt. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. You know, what, one of the biggest things I see that people want and need is time. They want more time, right? But we don't stop and say it. So if, if you, and I, I get it and feel so strongly about it because it's, it's my, probably one of my biggest values, me personally, is freedom and independence and time. And I, I just love my time, Amy. I just love it. You know, I, whether I'm dancing or reading or meditating or, you know, I love time. So because of that, I'm very clear how much I don't want to work meaning how many hours I want to work and how much time I want to have free. But if I wasn't as aware of all of that, then I would end up building a lifestyle where I had to work so much to support the lifestyle. Could I go to Europe five times a year? Probably it would mean I'd have to work uh, more hours than I want to. But I could work that many hours to go to Europe five times a year, but that's not, it's not my value, right? My value mm-hmm. is to be here in Seattle, enjoying my life, doing the things that I want to do. That's not to knock travel. I have clients where that is their top value. They love travel. They love it. So we look at, so what does that mean? You know, how much do they want to spend on travel? Does that mean if they don't want to work so much that they're willing to spend less on a home remodel? Are they willing to um, shift where they're thinking of living? Like, you know, like we were just talking about, but for me, it's about consciousness. It is about consciously creating your life so that you're driving the money car. The money car is not driving you. Right. And that's so often people feel like they're like the passenger seat in their life. Right. Absolutely. Oh, you've nailed it in that respect. Um, when we look at our money, our money can tell us a story about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when we can actually shift that story a little bit right. by being in a, by finding what's really important to us, then that's ultimate freedom. That's what people are chasing is financial freedom. But financial freedom has to start within. Oh my gosh, it's so true. You know, I was just remembering I had a client when she heard me talk about um you know, we all want to drive the car, but we're so many of us feel like we're in the passenger seat of the money car. And she 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 called and she said, "Oh my gosh, I think I'm being dragged outside, holding onto the bumper of the money car." Like I I set in motion so many things so many years ago about 
the type of car I feel like I have to drive and the, where I sent my children to school and all the expensive clothes. And But I didn't mean it. And this is her reflecting as she'd heard me talk. And now suddenly I can't keep up with the life I created and I don't even like all of it, right? So it's like, how do we feel that it's our life, that we are designing what we want, like you were saying, according to your values? Yeah, look, I I love when I do that work with a, you know, a client um, on the value piece because all of a sudden they realize that what they really want is often very different to what they've originally come in, especially with the financial planning, but in the coaching, I, I, I integrate this work in planning now. Um, and now I'm teaching financial advisors to teach, you know, to be money coaches, to help their clients, because someone will come to us and go, I want to retire with X amount, or I want this home, or I want whatever the big goal is financially. Mm-hmm. Until you actually break it down to what their true goals are, what their true values are, then we can then do the goal setting because the value often is very different to what they want. They're wanting to buy into something that they've been sold. And often we're we're walking around being programmed. We're in sort of that subliminal state of being programmed by media, social media, um, other people, other influences, family members, and we're not actually thinking what's really important, what do I really want? And until you're in that space, then you're always going to be chasing something that isn't real and it's never going to satisfy you. It's never going to fulfill you. And yes, someone else, someone else is basically driving that car for you. And how is that financial freedom? It's, it's so true. I, I was thinking, we'll talk about Robert, my love. Oh, he'll, he'll love that I'm talking about him. But so, and actually we just got engaged, but oh, this is, I know it's so exciting, but if he could write a book, he'd probably write a book called what it's like to date a money coach, you know, <laughs> but what, because we have so many interesting conversations about this, but to your point, one of the things that, you know, Robert was debating is when does he want to retire? And he is a writer. His greatest desire as we've kind of gotten deep into his heart and soul is he wants to have time to write. And this man's got a lot of amazing stuff to say, but he wasn't fully clear on how to do it from a money point of view, meaning, well, you know, yes, I need to live in this place or this car, this mortgage or this, that. And as, as we've worked on it over the past couple of years, you know, I've said in many different ways, babe, you want to write, we can scale your lifestyle so that you can afford to retire now. And and what it means is we're not doing the five trips to Europe, right? What it means is um, you're probably not going to buy the car of your dreams this year. You could, you could buy the car and you could go to Europe five times. But what I'm hearing that is bigger in your heart is you want time to, to write and you actually would like to retire now and not wait another year, right? And so it just goes to, what is the passion and what is the, what's the value, right? And he is feeling so free with this notion that he's giddy, right? It's crazy, you know? So it's being able to go into what do you value? And then, you know, again, the brass taxes, and this is what happens when you date a money coach, I know everything that man spends, you know? So and this is, is sort of our, our, our joke, right? Because we put together his annual spending plan 
to support the notion of we, he wants to retire next year, not the year after. And so that means he's making some different, he's making some different decisions, right? He's decided to scale down on the kitchen remodel. I mean, so on and so forth. Right. And he, he feels in control. He feels like he is deciding what he wants because of this greater thing that is is lighting his fire. And it's it's so exciting. It's it, as opposed to, oh, shoot, I can't have this stunning gas range, ridiculously expensive $10,000 stove that the neighbors have, mm-hmm. right? Well, honey, you could have that. You can have anything you want. You just can't have everything you want, right? That's And that, I say that a lot to my clients and what he wants is he wants time to write. So he's letting go of, you know, whatever it is that, you know, it, it's probably a silly example because lots of people don't care about the gas range stove. And yet some people do. So, you know, we just need to be clear if he, if his passion, Amy, was he wanted to be a cook in his next career, in his next chapter, that's a different story. Right now we're looking at his kitchen remodel with very different eyes. Absolutely. It's wow. super fun when you get creative and think about how do you want to create your life? You know, so many people I, I see just don't think that's possible. That don't, mm-hmm. you know, they, I love the concept of the retiring, for example, because I do work with pre-retirees and retired people and I'm looking after their, you know, investment um, so that they can have this income, this sort of passive income to live off. And, you know, the focus is often just on the numbers. And when we're in this current financial climate as well, where the numbers are dropping, it's now a mind shift about what's really important. M- money comes and goes. It's actually now going, how long do I want to be doing what I'm doing? Am I happy in my career? Do I want to sw- switch off? And is that meaning that I sacrifice a bit more of what I could have at retirement as an income? Potentially. But what does that make you as a person? Is it going to fulfill you? Is that for me, when I look at that, I have to do a few things with giving advice from a compliance point of view. And one of our regulators, what regulations are G175.255 is to state the advice, the financial advice I've given will ensure that the client is better off. Now, it doesn't need to be tangible. It doesn't need to state that the financial figures are going to prove the client's going to be better off. The Mm -hmm. client will be better off with this advice because they have fulfillment, because they are on their path and they are doing what they love and enjoying the life that they've they've created with the finances. Yeah. And, you know, I always think it really does go back again and again and again to the needs and wants conversation because... If and it's coming up a lot now because you're right, people are nervous about the economy, right? They're nervous about what what's going on, and yet we still have to live our life. We still need and deserve to be happy. So it is going to keep coming up about needs and want to. I was working with a client this morning, very concerned about you know all the stuff in terms of the economy, and so. She wanted to go to Hawaii. I mean, Seattle. So that's the the big, most common destination, right? To get on a plane and go enjoy the sun. But she wanted to rein her spending in. She wanted to be able to invest a little bit more. I mean, there's a lot of things that she was um, juggling. And so I said, well, what's important about 
Hawaii? What's the real need that Hawaii is meeting for you? And she thought about it and she's like, you know, it's time out of my house so I don't get caught in projects. And honestly, it's sun. It's, it's about sun, you know, Seattle's a little gray these days. And so as we brainstormed and I said, okay, so those are the true two needs, not be in your house and be in sun. Where else can you go creatively that would meet those needs that would um, cost less money? And for her, the answer immediately came to Eastern Washington, which is basically the opposite side of the state that I'm in is on the other side of the mountain range. And the lizards are baking on the sidewalk over there. I mean, let me tell you, it is night and day from Seattle. <laughs> Beautiful, sunny weather. And she was like, oh my gosh, you know, she can, she can book a vacation for two weeks in Eastern Washington, no airfare, no car rental, and have everything she needs because we stopped and said, what is the real need? It's not about, oh my gosh, I can't afford to go to Hawaii. It's not about, I can't afford to go to Hawaii. That's not the conversation. No, and that's where the abundance piece comes in. It's no longer, it's a massive mind shift there. It's not about what I can't have. It's about what fills me, where What do I, I really want? Yeah. What do I really want? For her to spend a couple of weeks by the pool, in sunshine, eating at fabulous restaurants, going to the all of the major wineries over there. I mean, it's a pretty wonderful place over there, right? right. She, she's going for half the cost. And she's feeling like the most abundant woman ever. Right? And she's but it's because we're naming the real need. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Love that. Now, you also, there's one thing I've been wanting to ask as well, because we've gone into so many things. There's so many things that you um, have to offer here. But you say there's three main types of money personalities. I'm very curious to hear what they, they are. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll know these, whether we're using different words or not, but, um, there are spenders and savers. And if we just pause right there, a lot of people think that's it. We're done. You're, you're either a spender or you're a saver. The third one that I would put out there, um, Amy is the avoider. So the spenders, the savers and the avoiders, and we're being a little simplistic. You and I know that, that people are actually pretty complicated with their many personalities, but many people, um, it really goes to what is your base motivation around money. So if you are a spender, quote unquote, personality, it's usually because you're highly motivated by freedom. I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want. No one can tell me what to do. If you are a saver personality, chances are you're highly motivated by security right? I want a roof over my head and stable and I just, I don't want to be stressed. So, you know, almost all of us will fall into being either a spender or a saver. But the reason that, that I put the avoider out is there's always this group of people that are like, oh, I don't even want to look at any of this. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I'm not even enjoying this conversation. I don't care about, you know, I don't care about this. I mean, they'll use all sorts of different words that to put themselves outside of it. Um, and so I would say that that would be the avoider. Now, avoiders, when they really get into it, probably are also motivated by either freedom or security. But a lot of times people are money avoiders because they grew up oftentimes with that scenario we talked about a while ago in hearing um, conflict 
mm-hmm. around money. So if you grew up with a lot of, and it's unfortunately, it's so common, it just breaks my heart sometimes that if you grow up hearing people really fight a lot about money, you tend to dive under the covers in general, um, hide your head in the sand, all the different ways that you hear people talk about that. And they don't go into the spend or saver buckets. They're just like, no, thank you. All of this is bad. Let's, let's not talk. There are a lot of people out there like that. I mean, that's, it's, uh, it's actually mind blowing. I'd say I come across most of my money coaching clients a bit like that. They are often in a point, the reason why they're motivated to come and see me or, you know, people coming to see you is they've something, there's been a trigger, there's been a trigger event, something horrible's happened and they, they no longer can avoid and they don't know what mess they're in. And sometimes it's like that overthinking scenario. They're not that much of a mess, but they think they are because they've been avoiding it for so long. Um, it's sort of like, you know, the, there's a, an image of, I think, a meme of the little kid holding onto um, a pole in the water. And if he just actually put his feet down, he'd be touching the ground, right? right exactly. And, it's actually only three feet deep, but you're not letting your toes touch. Yeah. Correct. And people are like that when it comes to their finances. They're just in reach of actually that point of financial freedom. And that financial freedom is, as we've already discussed today, is a very individual experience. It's not about what's on the on the spreadsheet. It's not about what's in the bank account or in your investment portfolio. It's actually about how you feel around your financial world. And that is why the money coaching piece is so important because mm-hmm. we could have millions of dollars invested in property portfolios and investment portfolios and still not feel free and abundant. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. I actually work with a fair number of professionals that we find out they're actually fine, but they are so scared or anxious or stressed or whatever, um, they're not looking. It's like when we look at the monster under the bed, it tends to shrink into this cute little funny thing that eventually we say, oh, that's what I was afraid of. You know, it, and I think that's the power of clarity, you know, the power of clarity and the power of, no, you know, as if you said the power of knowing your numbers, right? The power of tracking, the power of doing a spending plan you know, I had a, a client this afternoon, it was right before our call, when, and she's a newer client. So we were just learning how to put together a monthly spending plan, monthly cash flow plan. She just floated out of my office. She was like, I've never known I was going to be okay. And guess what? I'm going to be okay. Right. And she probably was always okay, but the problem is she didn't feel it. She didn't see it. So it's scary. You know, that's why that money fog metaphor. I think is so apropos because so many people feel like they're driving in their money car blind and mm-hmm. it's really scary. It's really scary to drive around in a money fog. Maybe you're okay, maybe not, but you feel like, oh my gosh, you know, when I lived in San Francisco in grad school, I'd never seen such thick fog. And so I finally had the experience of driving in fog so thick that I was so scared of what I was going to hit. I'm creeping along in my car, you know, and that's how people often feel is if you're in a deep money fog, it's not a matter of, are you going to hit something? It's a matter of, 
When are you going to hit it? How big is it going to be? How bad is it going to be? And oh my goodness, who wants to feel that way? What an icky feeling, right? So to come out of the fog and see the numbers and have a, a plan, oh, you just breathe easy. You just breathe easy. Yeah. And there is, I'm, I'm hoping that there are some out there that lis- are listening into this podcast today and go, oh, I have been in this fog. I have, I feel this way. And now I've got this hope. I now know, okay, I can get my head out of the sand, mm-hmm. open my eyes to where I'm at. And often it's not that bad. It's like that kid in the water or, you know, you're there. You've just got to look at the numbers. You've got to be honest with yourself. Do those few exercises the needs, the wants, and then have a look, be creative, look at the numbers. How do you feel in your body when you do that? And it's one thing I always say, how do you feel when you look at the numbers? Often it's like, oh, I feel really uncomfortable. I feel really scared. I'm feeling anxiety. Mm-hmm. Okay. Why? What is it? What's the story? What's programmed for you to feel that? Because they're just numbers. And it's it, when you actually, you know, understand that, have that awareness, it's a massive shift. And it's fantastic when people can, and you see that, and I know you see this, and I this is what gets me, you know, puts a skip in my step when I see people transform from that place of, you know, drudgery, feeling like crap, you know, just always tense and angry or frustrated and anxious and all of these negative, horrible, like walking through mud or driving through fog because of their money situation and then they can transform into that space and breathe easy. I just love this. I just I, I I love it. I mean, I have worked with so many clients from so many different countries all over the world. And they always come to that feeling of oh, it's like I can exhale. I no longer have to live in fear of what's coming or or the unknown. It doesn't matter what country or culture you're in. It's such a universal experience, both of not feeling good because you're in a financial fog and then feeling so good when you come out of it, you know, and, and I actually have people, when we look at, at tracking or looking at numbers, put music on, light candles, what create an environment, eat chocolate, drink tea, flowers. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but just to create this super feel good, positive environment is like a spiritual practice of touching your energy and touching your, your life is it's really becomes a sacred thing. Absolutely. I actually have my clients do a a gratitude piece when they're looking at the numbers, Mm -hmm. because when you look at, Oh, that electricity bill has turned the lights on. It's kept the place warm. It's done this and that and the other. How amazing. How great is my lifestyle looking at that restaurant? Oh, remember that time we went there? That was fantastic. So you're looking at it, looking at the numbers is like going through a photograph, you know, a a photo album, you know, you're seeing things in a different lens, not in that space of, oh my God, I've spent too much money. It's a completely different way of seeing your numbers. It's actually really exciting and enjoyable versus that horrible, you know, and, and, and a lot has got to do with those stories and society and whatnot. So Money isn't a scary thing. Money's a beautiful thing if we just see it for what it is and then let it work for us and with us. I love it- that. I love the image of what you were talking about, the photo album. You know, if I don't, I want to imagine anything I spend my money on, I can imagine enjoying seeing if I saw it in the money photo album. And if I don't want to see it someday paging back 
do the money photo album. Well, that's interesting, right? Then maybe it's something that I want to shift and spend in a different way because I do want to be able to look at, I, I always think about when I look at a, a spending plan, it's like a journal, it's like a diary, right? Of your life energy. And you want to be happy with where it went. A hundred percent. That's so true. We could keep talking and I'm looking at the time going, wow, we've gone, we're nearly an hour here. Um, but if, if anyone wants to find you, so anyone who's listening today and you want to shift this way of feeling um, and really want to be able to breathe when it comes to your finances, mm-hmm. um, how do we find you, Mosaland? How, what, where do you? Yeah, so what, thank you for that. So what I did was I have um, a free ebook called How to Stop Stressing About Money and create the life that you love. And it's totally free. So all they need to do is go to seattlemoneycoach.com, seattlemoneycoach.com. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, that would be lovely. Um, like I said, I, I have clients all over the world, Amy, and I, I'm, I'm a blessed woman, but I am living in Seattle. Um, so if you go to Seattle Money Coach, and there's a lot of other resources and blog posts, and you know, obviously people can read all about me. Um, but that ebook, I think your listeners will really enjoy. It's only, I think, 20 pages. And it just goes through, here are the six steps to let go of feeling stressed about money. So it, it's my gift for them. I really feel like uh, it will help them shift from not feeling great to feeling really good about money. So Seattle Money Coach is where to go. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, I'll be putting that in the show notes. So listeners, please do click that link. And have a look. I want to have a look at that. That's it. You've already sold me on that too. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. I probably get you on the, another another episode in the future because I think we could keep talking about this. Oh, we could. Yeah, let's let all the listeners listening to you on their in their earbuds on a walk are like, this is a long walk. So, yeah, I we have so many other wonderful juicy subjects. But thank you so much for having me today. This was such a fun conversation. It was. Thank you. Thank you for listening today. Before you go, I want to remind you that everything discussed is general in nature. We are unaware of your personal circumstances, so the information we have discussed may not be right for you. It is important to consider your personal situation and seek financial advice from a licensed advisor. Amy Baker is an authorised representative of Lifestyle Asset Management Proprietary Limited. Australian Financial Service Licence 288241. Recap Advice is a trading name of Recap Enterprises Proprietary Limited, ABN 226078542400, a corporate authorization authorised representative of Lifestyle Asset Management, AFSL 288241. I would also like to acknowledge the Bidigal and Gadigal people who are the traditional custodians of this land. I would like to pay respects to the elders, both past and present, of the Bidigal and Gadigal nations and extend that respect to other Aboriginal people. Thank you for listening and don't forget to share the last by sharing this podcast. Have a wonderful day wherever you are.